Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, How are the Mighty Fallen? This is focused on 1 Samuel chapter 31 and 2 Samuel chapter 1. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we read in the scripture of the demise of Saul and his sons, Jonathan, Lord, we realize that heavens and earth shall pass away, but your word will never pass away. Samuel had done passed away, but the prophecy that he had given did not follow, did not fall. So we pray, Father, asking, may you help us, Lord, that we be found as partakers of your word and taking protection under the blood. For we know that the destruction that is pronounced upon this world will surely come. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 1 Samuel chapter 31 and 2 Samuel chapter 1. Chapter 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines, and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab, and Malchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died, and his three sons and his armor-bearer, and all his men that same day together. And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley... And they that were on the other side Jordan saw that the men of Israel fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead. They forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the morrow, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head, and stripped off his armor, and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night, and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh, and fasted seven days. The Second Book of Samuel Chapter 1 Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had abode two days in Ziklag. It came even to pass on the third day that, behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul with his clothes rent and earth upon his head. And so it was when he came to David that he fell to the earth and did obeisance. And David said unto him, from whence comest thou? And he said unto him, Out of the camp of Israel am I escaped. And David said unto him, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered, That the people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also are fallen and dead. 
and Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. And David said unto the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan his son be dead? And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me, and called unto me. And I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me, and slay me. For anguish is come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head, and the bracelet that was on his arm, and have brought them hither unto my Lord. Then David took hold on his clothes and rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until even, for Saul and for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord, and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger, an Amalekite. And David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men, and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head. For thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan his son. Also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O oh, Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen? and the weapons of war perished. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled Questions and Answers. This was preached in 1961 on October the 15th in the morning. 
We'll begin at paragraph 119 up to paragraph 174. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Is it right for a Christian man and women to kiss one another? Oh, on greeting. No, sir. No, indeed. No, sir. You kiss one woman, brother, that's your wife. See? Or your child. Or what? See? Is it right for... Let me see if I got that right. Is it right for a Christian man and women to kiss one another on greetings? No, sir. No, indeed. That, don't you never get that started. Yes, sir. No, sir. You keep away from women. Shun away from them. Exactly right. Now there are sisters, but don't, now they got that. that. That thing even got over in Pentecost. And it's called free love. And when you do get anything like that, you stay away from it. That's right. I don't care how clean you are. You're my brother. And I, I believe that you're... You might be a good, sanctified, holy man. I don't care how holy you are, you're still a man. I don't care how holy she is, she's still a woman. Stay away from it until you're married. You just do that. Remember, the body, I'm going to speak a double now, so as you older people understand, it's a mixed group, but I'm your brother, and this is a question, see. Each human being, male and female, have a different type of gland. A female has a female gland, sex gland. A male has a male gland. A gland, sex gland. And those glands lay in the human lips. That's right. And here's another thing might be brought up. Man kissing one another in the mouth. That's dirty. That's filth. And what does it do? It starts homosexuals. Stay away from that. You say, a guy asked me not long ago, said, Brother Branham, while they greeted one another with a holy kiss, they kissed on the back of the neck. Fell up on their neck and kissed them on the back of the neck. That before handshake come in. It's a greeting. That's why they, they didn't shake one another's hands. They put their arms around one another. And they kiss one another on the back of the neck. Not on the lips and the face. That starts a perversion. Stay away from it. Don't never do that. Nowadays we shake hands with one another. If you want to, if you got your arm around a brother and kiss him on the neck or he kisses you on the neck, that's all right. But don't you kiss that woman. And don't you... Let that woman kiss you. See? That's right. You take her by the hand and say, Wait a minute, sister. Just a minute here. See? Let's get this straight. And um, so, now you do that. Now, what did I tell you a while ago when I first started? When you see any, a car coming down the road 90 miles an hour, get out of its way. That's right. When you see the first twist in anything like that, get away from it. Stay away from it. Just that's the ground you should not be on. Satan will present something to you. He'll wreck your soul and send you to hell. Stay away from it. Shun the very appearance of evil. That's right. Be a man. Be a woman. Like I'm going to take up for the women a minute. That's unusual, isn't it? <laughs> they, uh, they say, oh, the woman caused it. Oh, it was a woman's fault. If she hadn't got out of her place, well, the man wouldn't have got out of his. That's true. That, we'll say that's right. She gets out of her place. A man can't be bad unless there's a bad woman, but remember, they can't be a bad woman without being a bad man. That's right. And you who claim to be a son of God, where is your principles? If the woman is out of her place, aren't you a son of God? Aren't you the one that's a higher, stronger vessel, as the Bible says she's weaker? Then if she's weaker, then show yourself a man of God. Tell her, say, sister, you're in the wrong. That's right. I've done it and other Christians have done it. And you'll always do it. 
As long as you're a Christian, but show yourself. You're a son of God. You're, you have more power over yourself than the woman does. If she is weaker, recognize her to be weaker. Understand her mistakes and things like that. And try to correct her. Say, sister, we are Christians. You should do that. Be a real man. Be a son of God. And watch the women. And there's where the great fall began at the beginning. It was Satan with Eve. That's what brought the whole downfall of the human race. Is through that. And if you're a son of God, be strong. Be a real man. If you're not that way, stay at the altar till you become that. And shun the very appearance of evil. And don't start not uh, uh, greeting. Someone told me some time ago about... Uh, they'd seen that two or three times at my church here. Uh, not here in the church, but people who have come to the church. And if you're sitting here this morning, I was going to dig this to you right good, see? Uh, women, young women coming up and these men kissing these women. Don't you do that. Chew, you keep away from there. You remember that? If she's young, single, whatever, she should be somebody's wife someday and you haven't got no business doing that. Stay away from her. If you want to greet her, then be a son of God. Shake her hand and say, how do you do, sister? And let that settle it right there. See? Stay away from those things that's filth. It'll soon get you into trouble. You just, all oh, that's just, sin is so easy. It's so appetizing. It's so pleasant. It's so easy to fall right into it. The best thing to do is the very even appearance of it. Stay away from it. Just get back. Be a real Christian. And for man, kissing one another. You kiss your brother on the neck and you want to do it, that's all right. Don't kiss no man in the lips and on the mouth or anything like that because that's, that's not right. See? All that, that shows there's a little something wrong to begin with. See? <clears throat> so just stay away from there. Shun that. Don't, don't start that around this tabernacle here. <laughs> we certainly won't stand for that at all. See? And you, if you want to see your brother, if you want to kiss him on the neck, well, you go ahead and do it. But don't kiss people in the mouth. Oh, that won't work. It's not right. And it only starts a perversion. It starts homosexuals and things. And there's only two things that'll do in them things like that. If you start, let the man, I've seen no, many times amongst the people, they'll come down, I've seen the church, and, and the preacher come in, reach and grab every sister and hug her and kiss her and set her down. Hi, you do, sister, hallelujah. Reach over and get this and kiss her. Go right down through the church like that. To me, that's wrong. When I was in Finland, we was all over there, you might know this. I was having meetings, and I was at YMC. There was no soap, no detergents in Finland. And only, I had some shaving soap, and everyone else had time to take a spit bath. You know, like this shaving soap, we only had one piece with us. We had no soap in Finland. And they just washed with some kind of a compound, and it didn't ever take a hide off of you. So then uh, uh, we, they told us it was going to take us over for a finished sonda. And we went over to the YMCA. And we went over there to take a sonda. That's that Finnish, famous Finnish bath. And I've had them before, and they were nice. But I thought, well, we're going to at the YMCA, so it'll be fine. But when I started over there, the Holy Spirit said to me, Don't you do it. Oh, it's so good to have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't you do it. Well, I just right then, I said, I don't believe I want a bath this morning. Dr. Money and them said, Oh, Brother Branham said, My, there's big glass rooms. And said, It's beautiful. Said they, Usually when they do, they throw this water on these hot rocks and make you all steam in, beat you with birch leaves like that, and then... And then you run right out and dive into cold water. And then fins go right into the snow and ice and things like that, of course. Uh, they're used to it. Great big sturdy men. And then they come back and, and uh, get in this hot bath again. Then hot to cold quickly like that. But they just let me stand where the cool air was and then get back. Because I couldn't. <laughs> I was afraid to stop your heart to do that. And I wasn't used to it. So 
Um, I, I liked him real well, but some told me not to take that one up there. Well, uh, Howard, my brother, and Brother Baxter, and all of them going up there, and uh, Brother, uh, all the rest of them, you know, all talking, you know, going up. So I kind of got a little skittish, you know, because the Holy Spirit said, don't do it. So we went up to YMC, and they come in, all those men there, greet men. Oh, they had the, the headlines in the paper, first and second page every day, the meetings. And uh, they were around. I went into a little room to sit down, and they all went into the room to undress. And while they were in there un- to undress, here come a lovely-looking little finished blonde-headed girl, and they're a nice people. They're clean, moral people as they can be. Here she dropped the towels over her shoulder, started walking around, said, hey, 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 stop! I tried to stop her. She looked around and laughed, went on in there and gave each one of them, them man, no clothes on, a towel. Each woman come down, got a man, tucked him back in there, scrubbed him like that. I seen what the Holy Spirit meant. So then, when I come back out, I said, Dr. Munyanin, I said, how does that come? You being Christians and going and taking those sandals for them. Oh, he said, them scrub women, Brother Branham. I said, I don't care what they are. It's wrong. It's not right. I said, nature itself teaches. He said, well, Brother Branham, they're raised up from children to scrub. It's like your nurses in America. Things like that. They're raised up. That I said, I don't care what they are. That's still wrong. Absolutely. It's male and female. And they're to be separated and clothed from one another. Amen. I don't want to start on that. I'd be preaching that after a while, would All right. Please explain apostolic faith. That's one question. There's one, two, and three questions. Apostolic faith means the uh, faith of the apostles. That's what apostolic faith means. That you stay with the Bible. Now, what's called apostolic faith today, many of them don't stay with the Bible. But apostolic means the, the apostolic faith, the apostolic faith of the Bible. All right. And the group that call themselves fundamentalists. Are these two groups saved? Now, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to answer that. Now, are these groups saved? I don't know. Explain the difference between the Spirit... Uh, well, that's a different question now. Now, are these two groups saved? Let me make that just a little bit more sensible to you. And say I don't know. I wouldn't know. Now, remember, here's my thoughts. It may be wrong. My thoughts is that... If a Roman Catholic, or whoever he might be, Methodist, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Lutheran, wherever he is, if he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and solemnly trusting Him for his salvation, I believe he's saved. But, you see, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't do that. They believe that the church saves them. See? Their, their salvation is in the church like this priest was put off the air here some time ago for saying there's no other salvation only in the church see the Roman church now that's wrong salvation is by Jesus Christ that's right not by the church but by Christ now if these apostolic or uh, apostolics and fundamentalists now call themselves I like a fundamentalist come to me sure some time ago and he said to me he said uh, you kind of lean Calvinistic don't you I said where's the longest Calvin's in the Bible I'm with him I said I suppose the Bible and Calvin stays in the Bible but he gets off the Bible and I just pull on he can be the Bible he said well he said I want to say something to you you told I heard you say that if a man was once saved that he could never be lost I said that's exactly what the scripture says he has eternal life and shall never come into condemnation or judgment but it's already passed from death to life I said, that wasn't me said that. That was Jesus Christ said that. He said, I want to ask you something then. said, do you believe that Saul was saved? 
I said, the, uh, Saul, the, uh, the king, Saul? He said, yes. Well, I said, sure. He said, now remember, he was a prophet. I said, correctly. The Bible said he prophesied with the prophets. He had a gift of prophecy. He wasn't a prophet, but he had a gift of prophecy because he's down there with the prophets when they were prophesying. But um, uh, we know that Samuel was prophet in that day. So, uh, But Saul was prophesying with the prophets. He said, then if he was a prophet, then he was saved. I said, absolutely. He said, then I want to ask you something. Then I want to ask you something. Said, and then you say Saul was saved, and he, the Bible said that the Lord departed from him, and he became an enemy to God, and he committed suicide. And then say that he was saved. I said, and you're a fundamentalist. <laughs> I said, brother, you're just not reading it right. That's all. You're not reading what the Scripture said. He said, well, Saul could not be saved if he become an enemy of God. I said, Saul was saved. Oh, he said, I said, he was a prophet. He had to be saved. See, God saved him and God thought an Indian giver, as we call it. He don't, well, if God give you the Holy Ghost knowing that he's going to lose you right down here, well, what a foolish thing it would be for him to give you the Holy Ghost in the first place. You might impersonate the Holy Ghost and act like you got the Holy Ghost, but if you've got the Holy Ghost, God knows you're beginning from the end. Oh, that's right. That's a loose way to run business. God don't run His life. He, he's infinite. He knows the end from the beginning and know everything that ever be here, ever fly, ever night, would ever be on the earth. He knows all about it before the world ever began. So see, what would He run His business like that for? He doesn't do that. If, you watch, if you've really got the Holy Ghost, you're saved eternally. I can prove that through the Scriptures and we have time after time. But to conserve the time to get these questions, I might say this, you see, that... This fellow said, well, then what would you say about Saul? I said, sure, Saul was saved. I said, remember, Saul backslid. I'll admit that. He backslid and went away from God because he was greedy. He liked money. He brought up all them sacrifices and things when Samuel, through the word of God, told him to destroy everything. But he even saved the king and he saved a lot of stuff that brought up because, see, instead of following the word of God just exactly like it says, you put your own opinion in it. That's where you backslide. That's what I think about denominations and things. They backslide because they don't follow the Word. And you show them the Word, they turn their back from it and say, well, our church teaches this. That's not right. It's what God said. And Samuel was commissioned to go down there, and, or Saul was, and destroy everything, utterly, everything you destroy at all. Instead of doing that, he saved some for sacrifice and he spared the king's life and he'd done everything. And Samuel walked out to him and told him the Spirit of God had departed from him and, and all like that. And Samuel died. And about two years later, well then, Saul had got the Spirit of God departed from him, but he wasn't lost. Amen. Sure he wasn't. The anointing went off of him. Now watch and see if it was now. Saul got so far away from God until when he went to the battle, he started to go to battle and he was wearied about going to battle. And he, he asked the Lord for a dream. The Lord wouldn't give him a dream. There was no prophets in the land in that day. No prophets. Samuel was a prophet. They had prophesiers, but so forth. But they, he couldn't get an answer from God, no way. He went down to the Urim Thundam and asked there. And the flash of the lightnings up on the Urim Thundam wouldn't even answer him. And what did he do? He crawled off into a cave where there was a witch, a fortune teller. And this witch, he disguised himself like a footman. He went down there and he said, Would you divine unto me the spirit of Samuel the prophet? And uh, she said, um, she said, Well, now you know what Saul has said. She's talking to Saul, but she didn't know it. 
said, Saul said, all's got familiar spirits, he must be killed. He said, I'll protect you from Saul. But divine unto me, the spirit of Samuel. So the witch went into her enchantments and first thing you know, when she seen Samuel raise up, the spirit of him coming, materializing in front of him, she said, I see God's rise from the earth. That's one of the consolations. Look at old Samuel standing there. He'd been dead two years, but there he stood. Not only he stand there with his prophet robe on, not only was he still alive, but he was still a prophet. Yeah, Hallelujah. She said, You've deceived me to the prophet. And Saul said, Samuel, I don't know what to do. I'm going to battle tomorrow. And uh, the Spirit's gone from me and said, I can't even get a dream from the Lord. And the Urim Thunder won't speak to me. I'm in a terrible shape. He said, Seeing you become an enemy of God, said, Why have you called me out of my rest? See, Samuel said that. He said, why did you call me from my rest, seeing that you become an enemy to God? And then he went ahead and told him. He said, but however, he had told him the word of the Lord. And when he did, I remember he had been dead two years. See? But he said, I'll tell you the word. He told him the word of the Lord. He said, tomorrow you're going to fall in the battle. And Jonathan, your son, is going to fall with you. And he said, by this time tomorrow night, you will be with me. He was lost, so was Samuel, the prophet. That's fundamentalism. <laughs> what so called? See, see, he said, "You'll be with me tomorrow night, but this time." Hallelujah. See, then if Saul was lost, so was Samuel, because it's both in the same place. No, no, fundamentalist, you fundamentalist, so called, like Church of Christ, so called. And Christians, so-called. Christianity, so-called. Today, because you're an American, you're supposed to be a Christian. Because you're, you're an American, see? That, that's so-called Christianity. But a real Christian is a born-again man of the Spirit. Born-again woman of the Spirit. That's really... These others are impersonating. But real Christians are called of God. Please explain the difference between the Spirit and the soul. Well... Now, that's a hard one. But the first thing you are, a triune being. Just like Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is three titles going to one person, which is Jesus Christ. And you're a soul, body, and spirit, but it takes those three to make you. With just one of them, you're not you. It takes the three to make you. Like I said the other day, this is my hand. This is my finger. This is my nose. This is my eyes. But who's me? Who is me that this belongs to? It's what's on the inside of me. That's the, the intelligence. If this eyes, if this hands, if this body stood here just as it is today, yet I, I could, my body could be here, but me could be gone. Amen. What I am, what, whoever I am inside of me has gone on. That's, that's the per, part that is the spirit. The soul is the nature of that spirit. That when the Holy Spirit comes up on you, it does not do nothing. You, it changes or converts your spirit to a different soul. And that soul is a different nature that's on that spirit. So the soul is the nature of your spirit. Well, first you were mean and evil and hatred and malice and strife. Now you're loving, sweet, kind. Uh, see the difference? It's your nature. We I call it that. It's your soul that's been changed. The old soul died. 
And the new soul, which is a new nature, was born into you. Hallelujah. See? Your brain is not your intelligence. It's your spirit that's in you is your intelligence. See? Your brain is a bunch of matter and cells and so forth. It has no intelligence in itself. If it did, then as long as it lay there where you was dead or alive, it would still operate. See? But it's not, it's not your brain. It is your spirit inside of you. And your soul is the nature of that spirit. That's the soul of the spirit that controls the spirit that controls the body. See? There you are. Now, i got to hurry because we're just getting a little bit late. Now, I think that, I hope that takes care of that. Brother Branham, please explain. Please make clear if women should testify or speak in tongues in the assembly. Well, I believe that if the woman is a, a preacher in the assembly... She isn't supposed to be a preacher. But if she has a gift of tongues and speaks in the assembly where there are, there are prophets and, and the gifts are gathered together, obviously she has a right to do that. Because in the Bible, we find out that they had prophetesses like Miriam and them. And um, they, wasn't, they had no jurisdiction. If I get to them a little sermonette here, I'll, I'll get that in there. See, but the women, if they are gifted, now the correct way, and I believe that when we come together pretty soon, when our church gets settled a little bit more, and by the way, there's a new group, a new, another church is going to unite and come with this church as soon as we get room here for them. Another church is going to come and unite with this church. Not no organization, just come as a body in a group to the church. And, um, and they are a bunch of gifted people. And now, when it comes together, the things to do is these gifted people must get together on certain times for themselves and see what the Spirit says to them. And then it can be given out to the platform and the people. It's for the edification of the church. Now, if you speak with tongues and you know, nobody interprets it, and then when you're in the meeting, sometimes it's so irreverent, you know, you find sometimes I've been standing in my a, a congregation making an altar call and someone raise up and Break the altar call, speaking in tongues. Now see, now the person might have been speaking in tongues correctly. That might have been the Holy Spirit. But see, without being taught to know what to do, how to hold it. I sat right on a platform and hear a preacher preaching and see him get to a spot. My, I want to get up and help you so bad I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and you've done the same thing. All of us do that. But what is it? That's irreverent. Sit down. Regard my brother. I heard, uh, heard Brother Neville preaching. He's heard me preaching when we, uh, no doubt we, Brother JT here and all of them, or, and all of them, we hear one another preaching and think, oh, Brother, I'll be like, get up and help him out. See, you just feel the Spirit poured on you, but what do you do? Hold your peace. See? Uh, all the Spirit of the prophets is subject to the heaven. That's right. Hold your peace. See, you do that. But I believe if the woman, the question was, if the woman has got a gift of tongues and she wants to speak, I believe that when that time comes on, she has a right to speak out in a gift of tongues, but not to preach or to usurp any authority over man. When she's a preacher, of course, she is over man. Brother Branham, I was married to a woman that had been married before. We divorced, and she has been married twice since. The Bible states that if we desire to marry... 
if we de- desire to marry to turn to first wife, now could I turn to her who has been married before, or could I be free? Well, now my brother, here's the only way that you could do it. Now this is a great subject, and someday uh, I want to, if the church ever gets organized and straightened up into the place where it should be, or I, I'll say this with reverence. Uh, there's two factions of this marriage and divorce in churches. One holds one faction, one other. And to my opinion, with the grace in my heart before God and His Bible, they're both wrong. See? But there's a truth lays there. If you notice what Jesus said, I hear, I got a brother, my own blood brother, that's fixing to marry a woman. And my brother has been married before and got a child by a good woman. And he come to me to marry him. I said, not at all. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Whosoever puts away his wife and marries another, saving the cause of fornications, which she had to do before she was married and didn't tell him about it, causes her to commit adultery. Whosoever marries her that is put away liveth in adultery. So don't do that. No, you cannot go back to your to your first wife if she's been married again. But if you she divorced you and put you away, then you said, Am I free? Let me read it again. I was married to a woman that had never been married before. We divorced and she has been married twice. I suppose this person has remained single. The Bible states that if we desire to marry, to turn to first again. No, sir. Get over the Levitical laws. You go back to that woman. She's somebody else's property. You've defiled and made yourself worse off than ever. No. should not take a wife back who's been married to somebody else. Now, could I turn to her who has been married before or should I or should I be free? You are free. Stay free. Yeah. You don't go back again. No, sir. She's married to somebody else. Stay away from her. That's right. No, that defiled plot, you understand. We had a little more time. I'll get into that. But just for your question, my brother, whoever you are, no, sir, don't you go back and take that woman when she's been married two or three times since she married you. That's wrong. I married a couple here not long ago that had been married before, and they divorced and went away to old couple. Well, it's brother and sister. Fuck it. That's exactly who it was. They just couldn't get along. We had a little spat between them. They divorced. She lived just as true and single as she could be, and he lived the same way. And after a while, they seen how silly they was, and they come back and want to be married. I said, sure. See? That's all right. That's what you should be. So they want to be married all the time. They never had been divorced. Just giving papers to live together as husband and wife. That's all. Because they was married in the beginning. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mighty love. We see the genuineness of David, how, Lord, even with all the torment that Saul brought upon him, we see him grieved by the death of Saul and the love that he had for him and Jonathan. Oh, Father, he said it was greater than the love of a woman. We pray, Lord, may you give us the same heart like David, a man, you said, a man after your own heart. We see he consulted you before each and every step that he took. May you give us that same spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. 
We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.